Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome back to another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. Today I get to sit down and chat with a wonderful lady who is sparking a much-needed change in the world. Cynthia Luce is a mother, friend, and compassionate woman who is sharing her book titled Invisible Girl in hopes to inspire the world to implement change. Cynthia wants us to collectively work together in order to save our save or alter the path of our youth. She is an inspirational speaker and advocate for our young folks, and I am so happy to have her on the show today. Cynthia, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm well. I'm well. How are you and how are things? I am doing fantastic, enjoying this amazing Southern California weather. Great, great, great stuff, great stuff. So, Cynthia, um, let me get into your book. The title of your book is called Invisible Girl, and I'm wondering if in some way this is a personal story for you, so to speak. Were there times in your life growing up that you felt invisible and needing some help or guidance? Uh, yes, there was a lot of, uh, in my childhood, feeling invisible. The story is actually about several different girls. Mm-hmm. and children who are going through issues where they feel invisible when they're going through child abuse, domestic violence, bullying. So it really encompasses a lot of issues. Okay, okay. Uh, do you mind sharing uh, your personal story, what your childhood was like with us? I had a very traumatic childhood like a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there, and it took a long time to realize that I needed to heal and get through it. So... Uh, what I did when I was um, in my later 30s, I was I had been stewing on writing uh, Invisible Girl for a very long time, and it really took me to realize that in writing this, it would help me heal. So it started mm-hmm. off as a project being uh, mostly for me, for my self-benefit, but when I was uh, writing it, it felt like it felt bigger than me, and it felt okay. like it could be useful for other people. Okay, so your healing tool, you felt like it could be a healing tool for a lot of other people. Um, you mentioned that you walked around, I mean, it was in your 30s when you decided to sit down and write this book. So I'm going to assume that up until that time, you were kind of walking around still trying to go through the process of healing or, um, you know, what, what was your transition into becoming a better Cynthia-like? Well, it was a lot of trial and error. It didn't, this wasn't an overnight process. For me, it was, uh, I was trying to heal, but I didn't know what kind of tools it took to heal. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I did so many different things, and a lot of things uh, became a failure. And mm-hmm. I, it's not really even so much that it was a failure, because it was kind of a success in, in, in a way that it got me to another level at another point. But writing Invisible Girl was the biggest healing tool for me. The writing process was phenomenal. It was a way for me to purge everything that was negative and all the toxicity uh, out of my, my soul and my, and my mind and my, my spirit. And what it, it, did, it did everything for me. It was phenomenal. It was like night and day. And then it took some time for me to look back and reflect. Mm-hmm. And when I looked back in the pages and I go, gosh, this isn't, you know, this isn't just about me. This, mm-hmm. this is going to help so many other people, and it, this was really bigger than me. So it was a fantastic, amazing thing for me to be able to 
to finish and complete this and know that it was going to do something for other people. And help a lot of people heal. Now, you mentioned that it's not only your story in the book, but um, some other personal stories in the book. Can you share with us what kind of personal issues that the different uh, people in the book are, have gone through? What is the subject matter? Uh, we start mainly with the topic of bullying because everything kind of ties into bullying. But there's some domestic violence in there. There's some uh, child abuse. There is some going, growing up in foster care and growing up on the streets. So there's a, there's a lot of different things in there I think that people are going to relate to on many different levels. And not just children, but young adults and adults who have made their transition into their lives and elderly. So when, I'm, when I wrote Invisible Girl, it wasn't meant just for one, um, one person. It was meant for several different types of people. I think a lot of people will be able to pull a lot of inspiration and, and be able to closely relate to a lot of the topics. Yeah, you know, because I think, it, you know, it's very helpful in a way because a lot of times when people are living these kinds of uh, situations, um, especially with young folks, you kind of get into the, the rut that this is normal. This is all I know. So I think it's good to be exposed to, you know, somebody out there that's saying, wait a minute, you know, what you're going through is not healthy. It's very toxic. So, you know, let's start to transition you out of that. And I think just knowledge of your situation, self-awareness is one of the first steps to, you know, kind of giving you the footing to, to, to get away from what you're going through. So, like I said, just creating the sense of awareness and understanding out there publicly is, is a very good step. And I think that's a, that's wonderful. How did you, um, uh, let me, how long did it take for the book to actually come to, to be? Was it a long writing process? It wasn't terribly long. I had been writing little bits here and there, uh, just memories. And, and the funny thing about writing is, is you think something is insignificant and small. But you should always write it down anyway, because you never know how useful it may be, or just kind of even for reflection purposes. I'm definitely a person of reflection. And when I look back at certain things, I realize how far I've come as, as a mother, as a woman, and as a human being. And it's, it's, a, it's quite amazing and refreshing to, to see where you were and where you are now. And uh, I've really loved what I, I really loved what I've done. Okay, okay. Now you're out there as kind of the voice of you know those who don't have a voice and, and saying you know look these are these people's story. Uh, reflecting back, did you have somebody who was your own personal champion that you know said hey Cynthia yeah I've got your back I'm going to help you get through this or were you kind of out there floundering you know trying to put Cynthia back together on your own? I would say that I was out there swimming in the ocean and someone <laughs> helped pluck me, <laughs> okay. pluck me from the ocean and threw me into a life raft. I, do, I did have uh, one person who really showed me consistency and, and love, which was something that I needed to kind of, you know, show me that I was worth more than what I thought I was. And okay. my self-worth and my self-esteem were very low. And I knew that I, I wanted more for myself. And, and she not only was um, a mentor, but she loved me unconditionally and, and saw more in me than anybody had ever saw, had ever, had ever seen in me. And so I, I built and formed a, an amazing relationship with this person. And, you know, it, it, it sparked like a, a fire okay. and I just wanted to keep going and I wanted to keep feeding it. And, and this is how I, I started uh, to really, put Invisible Girl together in, in material form. 
Okay, you know, and, and that's so important. Sometimes we just need some support system when we're out there swimming, you know, upstream. You know, we just need somebody like, hey, just throw me a rope and, you know, just let me rest here for a minute. Now, um, you, the book, Invisible Girl, you worked with uh, a guest that I had previously. Um, and so I'm wondering, did uh, Marilla come along after you had already written the book or, you know, was she the motivation to kind of put it down on paper? How did you guys two come across each other? She has been a huge inspiration to me in this process. I, I honestly couldn't have asked for somebody better to be around and, and be just that positive light that I needed. Uh, she is absolutely phenomenal. So she's, <laughs> she's one of my uh, inspirations and, and reasons why I've, I've really wanted to put this together. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. Now, um, like we would mentioned before, the book is a collection of quite a few personal experiences um, in your mind. Can you recall maybe one of the stories that stands out most to you in your book? Uh, there are several different stories. There's a, there's a couple of stories. Um, there's one about a girl who was placed into foster care who was very alone, very afraid, who did run away and wound up living on the streets. So that was a very uh, difficult one. And, I think that there's so much beauty and inspiration in, in Invisible Girl. And I believe that at some point in our lives, a lot of us were these, were these girls and were parts of these stories. And the, the thing about this is that not only has it uh, inspired me when I look back into these pages, I know that I'm writing this for other, other girls and other women who will really, really, really relate to a huge amount of these stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think um, the situations that you bring up, you know, the bullying, domestic violence, the uh, foster care homelessness, I think a lot more children experience this than we would like to believe. Um, and it's just kind of one of those things that we kind of push behind closed door and really don't want to admit that we do have so many young people out there going through these types of situations and they're not, um, they don't always have somewhere to escape from these situations. So um, I think that's that's a wonderful thing that you're a voice for them. Um, you know, but I'm wondering, um, because the world today is very different than, you know, I remember. I remember growing up, the community was very involved in uh, raising a child. You know, I knew if I was doing something wrong, you know, my neighbor down the street might be the one to discipline me, not necessarily my parents. But today... We're living in a society where it's very hard for people to get involved with helping others. You might, um, for instance, um, a grown man might see a young girl, you know, homeless or, you know, maybe with bruises or whatever. But he might think twice about approaching her to um, assist her when he's cl- he clearly knows that she needs some assistance. Um, the, the world that we're living in today, how do you suggest that people get involved in helping our young people? Um, you know, live better lives because it's 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 a kind of a catch twenty two the world that we live in. If you help people, you know, you kind of might get bit on the hand for that. But you know, then if you don't help, then that person suffers. You know, how do we find some sort of balance to to help each other? You know, I really understand that too. It's a double edged sword, and I can see where a lot of people would be uncomfortable with mm-hmm. helping out. However, I would rather help out and be wrong 
mm-hmm. than actually, you know, not help out and know that something was going on and I could have done something about it. And and somebody, you know, winds up on the news the next day, and and that happens quite, too, you know, quite often, where where these, these children are going through situations and they're abusive and detrimental to their their very existence, and mm-hmm. they wind up on the news the next day. And the neighbor's like, "Well, I knew something was going on, but sure. I wasn't quite sure." Well, if if you see something and something feels off, trust your 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 intuition and and do something. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, you know, that's just the the pitfalls of the society that we live in. You know, your next door neighbor, you might hear, um, and it might not even be uh, domestic abuse towards a child. You might see the the husband and a wife, or the boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, they're abusive towards each other and other, and you know the child is living in that, and you you know you hear them next to, every day because they're next door to you, but you're hesitant to kind of call somebody or say something because people are, why are you, why are you in my business? This, you know, this is between me and this is my house and stuff. So you're kind of like bound with, you know, what you can do and your obligation to others as a, as a human being. It, it's, it's, it's so difficult to, uh, to task to, to kind of balance. So, uh, but like you said, we have an obligation to each other simply as human beings to kind of stick yeah. your neck out there. You, I mean, you have that obligation and, um, you know, there has to be probably some cycling back to times of other days where, you know, we did get involved and help, help each other out. Yes. And, and we really need to make an internal checklist and, and understand that it is not just our obligation, but to help children, but to help, uh, you know, one another and, and the elderly, everybody. There's a lot of people who need help, and a lot of times we bypass them, and they, they become invisible to us. Mm-hmm. This is what Visible Girl is about, people who are invisible to society, where people know that something is going on, and they're just, well, it's not my problem. Well, it is. It's, it becomes everybody's problem, and, and we need to search ourselves a bit more and, and do more to help one another. True. Very good stuff. Cynthia, we're going to take our first commercial break of the day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Cynthia Luce today. She is the author of Invisible Girl and an advocate for the younger generation. Um, actually, I guess you can say she's an advocate for humankind. Um, and Cynthia, before the break, we were talking about how we collectively as a society need to pay attention to the invisible people out there. And I think our talk today is, is very timely, um, because we're fresh off of the tragedy in Santa Barbara where you know, the young man, Elliot Roger, he killed numerous people. And there seems to be a sense of, um, I guess, a hopelessness in our younger generation today. Um, they're hurting themselves. They're hurting other people in, in very tragic ways. Um, some people might say it's a lost cause. But do you feel there's there's things that we can do to kind of change the the direction of our younger, younger generation? Absolutely. There's several things that we can do. One is, is caring. It shouldn't take a tragedy for everybody to care. We need mm-hmm. to do more of that on a daily basis, make it a habit, make it a, a part of uh, our life, a way of life, if, if I might say. Mm-hmm. And definitely we, we can start by looking at one another and, and noticing if somebody's in pain or somebody's hurting. Um, a lot of uh, things really come down to 
uh, not just us caring, but having some sort of empathy and compassion for one another. Okay, okay. Now, you, you talk about empathy and caring. And reflecting back on your own childhood when you were growing up, do you recall what signs you were um, giving off to the world that maybe the adults were kind of overlooking? You know, what what is it that we can kind of pay attention to somebody who's like screaming for help, but they're not really saying anything? There are, since uh, Invisible Girl has several different stories, I actually want to do something more along the lines of bullying, because bullying ties into so many things these days, and it's becoming a larger and larger issue, especially with cyberbullying, but not just that on the playground. And in my personal opinion, what I feel is that it starts a lot of the time at home. Mm-hmm. And what these uh, children are seeing a lot of the times is learned behavior. And so if there is fight, continuous fighting going on between mom and dad or whoever the adults are in the house, mm-hmm. they're going to take that with them to school and think this is the normal way to react to situations. So they start to pick on their peers and teachers and other authority figures. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to start by addressing that because okay. I feel that that is the root of a lot of, uh, a lot of causes. Oh, yeah, because we see that in so many levels now, especially with technology. You hear the young girls uh, bullying people on, you know, your social media sites. And, and and it's not only just a physical in-your-face kind of bullying going on. They have so many options now to emotionally uh, damage a young person. So, I mean, I think that's very, very vital, you know, to talk about the bullying. Absolutely, and we we really need to pay closer attention to our children. And we are very a very busy uh, society. A lot of us work one or two jobs just to put food on the table, but that that's great. But we need to do more than that, and we need to not just be sufficient, but we need to be proactive in in what's going on in our home, and take a closer look at what we might be doing or what we might be displaying towards our children, so that they aren't reacting outside of the home. You know that is true. Um, but I've always said something like um, I feel that. You know, you have to take a te- you have to take a class. You have to take the test to get your driver's license. You have to take a class, and you have to take a test to you know maybe become a doctor. But when it becomes to parent, when it comes to parenting or raising a child, you know you're you're given the opportunity to just be thrown into it with any kind of education. So you have these two people or or one person raising a child. And let's go back to the two people who might be domestically abusive to each other who have no training and they might not think that what they're doing is wrong. I mean, how do we how do we reach those people who are actually parenting and responsible for the upbringing of a child? You know, I mean, because they clearly don't think anything is wrong with how they're living. And I understand that a lot of people feel that, you know, where they were raised, that's their normal. Mm-hmm. We all have our own sense of what normal is, and we can't really dictate unless there is something that is detrimental going on. And a lot of the times we miss the warning signs of, you know, what's happening under someone's roof or even our own, for that, for mm-hmm. that matter. Invisible children aren't just the children outside of your home, but a lot of the times they're the children underneath your own very your very own roof. True, true. So, you know, with that being said, I want to look at also there's two sides of the, the spectrum here. I, I like to look at the, the victim of the bully, but I also like to look at the bully 
because okay. a lot of the times the, the bully is a victim too, and they're perpetuating these negative cycles out there, and they're, they're just repeating it. So the signs your child may be a bully is a need to control or dominate others. Okay. And I've actually seen this firsthand where a child feels like what they're doing is right by dominating not just their siblings, but they kind of try to intimidate their parents to, to, to dominate them. And it's a very uh, prominent trait, and I've seen this many, many times. And they're good at talking their way out of difficult situations, or they're very manipulative. Okay. And I've also seen this firsthand, and they not just do this as children, but if they feel they can get away with it or pull a wall over their parents' eyes, they continue to do it, and they become more clever about it. And uh, three is aggressive towards adults, peers, and other authority figures. This one is a very, very big one, and mm-hmm. with this being a very huge sign, it's a big red flag. If you've got a child that is not just aggressive towards you, their siblings, but they're aggressive towards teachers and and even cops, there's definitely going to be a very big problem. And when they praise or have positive views on violence towards others, Mm. meaning they're completely okay with seeing what's going on on TV, especially with this uh, other incident, and saying they're cheering for this person, Mm -hmm. that's big red flag okay and you might really want to take a look a lot closer and maybe even think about getting your child some help we are living in a society where we are praising there there are actually people praising these kinds of behaviors that's not healthy and no No. i don't think that's at all so we really 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 need to take a very close look on that Mm -hmm. and the lack of sympathy towards those who are bullied basically saying, oh, they deserved it or they got what was coming to them. Mm. We should never have that mentality and never excuse that mentality with our children or other people's children. That's not healthy and that doesn't create any kind of safety. Okay. So that are the traits of the bully. So what about the person who's been bullied? Um, How do we know or look at a child or even an, an adult? And what might we see in them that say, okay, this person's dealing with some stuff that they might not be comfortable talking about? Um, what kind of uh, what kind of things would they start to do? And those are actually very similar. The signs of a child being bullied: unexplained bruises, scratch marks, or any other kind of bodily marks. Or the child either trying to hide them, or they they're not you know wanting to explain them. Mm-hmm. And they have a few. They have very few friends that they spend little to no time with, or they're socially withdrawn. That happens more often than not. If your child seems to have a hard time making friends, look a little bit closer because there might be something else going on. It's not a hundred percent sure, but it's worth taking a look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loss of interest or doesn't do well in classes or social activities. If your child once had a love for school or their schoolwork or their peers and friends and all of a sudden that changes, it switches, there may be something going on that you might want to ask questions about and not just ignore. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things will pass off as, as normal uh, normal for children, and it really it's it's not. Okay, okay. And if you notice that your child is sad, depressed, or moody, that's something else you want to look at, too. Okay. So most of the time, though, when you run into the child who um, has been bullied, 
as a parent or maybe as a teacher or aunt or, or whatever, you try to, you know, have conversation, dialogue and coax, you know, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Um, a lot of times young folks are very reluctant to open up and say, well, you know, little Johnny took my, my lunch money and he does it every day because there's, there's some self-esteem issues that the child is dealing with. How do you, how do you create an environment of, open, honest dialogue with a young person? You just establish trust. A lot of the times children won't say anything because they don't trust that someone's going to do something about it or someone has said they were going to and they've failed in that department. So trust is very fragile with children. If you break it once, it's sometimes really hard to get it back. And they okay. do pay attention and notice these things and they, if they don't feel that they can trust you, they're not going to tell you anything. So they need to establish a, a trusting bond with these children okay okay now if we don't um catch this stuff when the kids are young and start to make the the um changes you know the person grows up and you know, like we, we see with the um santa barbara issue we have these toxic um adults um how do we how do we start to i mean how do you start to fix them once it's kind of past the unfixable point uh, or we should we didn't catch it then but now we, we've caught it now so uh, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of internalized layers years of damage now so now this is this is really who I am you know and I might start to repeat the cycles and exhibit this stuff again so how do I how do I start to fix it in a younger person maybe 20s or somebody going into adulthood hopefully you know if, if, if this is still happening by the time they're adults that we somebody close to them will be able to point out that something is wrong. A lot of times friends don't want to say anything because they don't want to damage a friendship. But I believe a real friend is going to tell you the truth just as it is, and, and not with, that, with sugarcoating it, but, but actually being constructive with it. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to point it out um, and identify it. Uh, it's really sad to see that a lot of children go through these things, and as adults, they either become the victim or they become the bully there's only two sides of the fence and we really need to start healing as soon as possible and and taking care of our youth yeah because i think my concern is if we don't address it when the kids are young and we let this person grow up with these issues that they've not dealt with it starts to express itself in other ways we have maybe you know drug habits that you know can come about or you know like i said you start to abuse your own children and create you know extend the cycle or whatever so i i guess maybe you know that's my concern that we really really need to catch it when it's they're young nip it in the bud so people can have a chance to um you know the world is already crazy and chaotic as it is and we need to try to dump as much baggage off as possible um so i think you know my concern is to like get it when they're young try to fix as much as possible and give them a fighting chance when they go out into this world, you know, uh, that they can be productive, healthy, whole individuals. Um, and, you know, that would be my hope. Uh, Cynthia, we're going to uh, break right now for our second commercial break. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. 
Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Cynthia Luce, advocate for the young people and author of the book, Invisible Girl. And for the break, we were talking about uh, the the effects of bullying, what the bully uh, traits the bully um, exhibits and what the person who has been bullied, uh, the, the traits you might find in them. Now, Cynthia, some people will say, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Some people out there will say, oh, you know, this bullying thing, you know, it's overrated. Kids will be kids, you know, or some people might say, well, we can't help everybody. Um, wh- what do you feel? Well, how do you feel if people just don't take an interest in what the young folks are going through out there? I feel that it's more convenient not to address it for some people. Uh, what we really need to do is acknowledge that the problem is just getting larger and larger, and, and basically the proof is in the pudding. Uh, we're taking a look around and seeing more and more things uh, going on, and we really need to take a closer look instead of ignoring it, because the more we ignore it, it's not going to go away. So we need to be proactive about finding solutions and, and, and doing something about it as opposed to letting it take a back seat. Okay. And like you said, you know, the the problem is getting larger and larger. Um you just hear about it. It seems like every time you turn on the news you hear about it. Um so the reality that we're living in right now is that we can't shelter kids from the damaging stuff in life. They're going to experience it experience it. But um do you have any tips or pointers for how we can help children move on and transition past what sucky stuff this life is going to give them? I believe that we can do a lot for our children. One is, is paying attention to them. We need to pay a lot more attention to them. And with the cyberbullying, I find this being a very large issue. I don't think that it's wrong that a parent has the passwords to their children's social media and even limiting that. And there's certain age groups that you you, you feel your, your child shouldn't have a Facebook, then don't let them have a Facebook that can that exposes them to a whole nother level of adult things that they don't need to see. That exposes them to the possibility of being bullied. And children are vulnerable as it is. And they're just, they're aching for our guidance. And when we don't give them that and they have a free pass to kind of run and do whatever they want, they're going to run into a lot of issues. So we really need to start guiding them in that direction and not just giving them leadway in that particular part. it, It can cause more harm than it does good for them. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. Um, you know, a lot of times in today's world, time is just the major factor. Um, uh, households, families don't have the time that they used to to monitor children, interact with children. You know, a lot of times you might have a, a mother or two parents, you know, working two jobs. You know, they, they come home, they're tired, you know, they've got to feed the family something and they're exhausted. So there's a lot of times children are left out to their own devices these days, uh, which can create some of the chaos because you have kids interacting with with kids with no checks and balances or kids interacting with adults with no checks and balances. So I think um, just the simple fact that we don't have a lot of time in today's world um, allows children to be babysitted by means that might not be that healthy for them. And I agree with that. And we really need to put place down the boundaries and know that we are doing the right thing for them so that we're not exposing them to things that are unnecessary. And for those things that we can't uh, prevent them from seeing out in the world, maybe at school or hearing from their schoolmates, we can give them the tools to make the right choices. And that is our job as parents. That is our one of our sole 
purposes when it comes to being a parent is giving them the tools to be able to protect themselves from harm that may come their way. Okay. Now, Cynthia, you're a a mom now, and based on your own personal experiences, um, the whole parenting thing, uh, did you stumble and fall in the beginning or, you know, did you just go into it like I'm going to do everything completely different than how I went through it or was it still a learning process for you? No, it's always going to be a learning process. <laughs> you're going to stumble. You're going You're going to fall. That's That's natural. They don't come with instruction manuals. But you can try to recognize, you know, where your cycles may be unhealthy so that they're not uh, infiltrating under your children, so they're not repeating the same cycles that you went through. So it takes a, a little bit of time to sometimes acknowledge that you may be doing something that's not quite healthy. Uh, I think everybody uh, stumbles here and there. This, we're, we're not perfect, but as long as you try and you continue to be, you know, a, a force that is driving in their lives, then, then, you know, you're, you're already starting in a path to create some success for them and yourself as a human being and as a parent. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, uh, the parent has to kind of be aware of themselves and say, well, you know, I, I don't want to repeat past mistakes. And that's a lot in that uh, to be self-aware of who you are. Um, because we don't always have it together. We're not always packaged right. And it takes a lot to look within with inside yourself and say, you know what, I'm not doing this right. This part of me is broken. Um, I need to fix this so that I'm not interacting with those around me in a toxic way. And sometimes as parents, friends, you know, caregivers, guardians, um, we don't have it all together. Uh, do you have any advice to the person who who is responsible for the care uh, of a of a young person as far as getting themselves together? You know, what I'm saying, be it the the person who has a, a child in foster care, or be it the person, or you know, be it the um, I, I don't know. I mean, as as the caregivers or guardians, what would you tell them is their greatest responsibility to the young people? To show them love, compassion, patience, and, and show them that you can be healthy so that they can be healthy. Be there for them. Know, let them know that they have somebody to lean on. A lot of people, especially an invisible girl, a lot of uh, those girls didn't have somebody that they could really depend on with consistency. Be that consistency. Be that love. Be that compassion. Be every fi- with every fiber of your being because they depend on you. They depend on us. It is our job. It takes a village to raise a child. Let us be a good, strong village. True, true. And I think, like I said, you know, the points that you're making today, there's so much involved in it. There's so many different layers because, you know, like you said, it takes a village. But the whole village has to heal and get whole. And it's not just the children. It's the adults. And some of that is a pull and struggle because, you know, let's face it, some people are walking around saying, no, nothing's wrong with me. I'm all right. I'm fine. You know, and it, those are the, the problems that we need to fix. Um, so it's it's a very daunting task, not to say that it's not a doable task, but it's it's a very daunting task because we've come so far away from where we used to. Like I said, I remember, you know, it being a very a community effort, raising children, you know, collectively. Um and now we're just everybody's just kind of flying solo and you're on your own and you have no support system. And, you know, it's it's um, it's a very different world we're living in, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I, I think 
collectively, like you mentioned all the time, collectively we need to make some changes, not only to show caring and empathy to the young people, but simply to each other. And I think that will spark a lot of change in itself. You know, if we take care of our seniors and we take care of our young folks, everything in the middle will fall into place. Yes, and we need to continue to find ways to help out and not just um, giving up when something doesn't work out right the first time. A lot of people get defeated, and mm-hmm. I understand that they're not easy. Um, they don't happen overnight, and most things don't, but it takes, it takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of want and desire to change, and we have to really look at ourselves and see what we can do to fix what is broken in us so that what is broken in us doesn't reflect into our youth mm-hmm. and it's, it's really just you know sitting down and, and saying you know what might I be doing wrong it just you have to ask yourself the right questions true true uh, Cynthia we're going to break stay tuned we'll be back right after this Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I am with Cynthia Luz today, author of Invisible Girl. I had a little bit of technical difficulties there while me and her were trying to solve the world's problems. My mic wanted to uh, die on me, but we're back. Cynthia, are you with me still? I am still here. <laughs> all righty, all righty. So, um, you know, I, I was saying before the break that... Um, it's it's such a struggle, you know. You're walking down the street, you see the homeless, you know, young tyke, and you're like, okay, do I stop and provide, you know, some food assistance? Do I stop and try to find, um, you know, a place for this person to lay their head? And then you say, okay, well, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna make sure this person has something to eat. But then I'm still gonna leave the person hanging, so to speak, because I don't know where they're gonna sleep tonight. You know, it's kind of like. How much is enough or, you know, it's it's constantly an emotional battle. You feel like I'm not going to be able to solve the problem, even if I give assistance. And that is, I think, not necessarily the best attitude to have. I think that we need to still continue to not just try, but to put all of our effort into that. I've I've walked by people and, and seen that they've needed something and given out of my own pocket and said, you know, this is. For now, this is for now. I mean, I may not be able to fix it long term, but to be able to show some human compassion and without judgment, because we don't mm-hmm. always know what's gotten a person to that point in their life. You never know where they've been. Sure. You don't know where they've walked and, and where they've lived, where they've slept, if they've eaten. And, and to tell you the truth, I mean, if it were me, I would hope that someone would want to help me out as well. That's true. You know, there's always that that phrase, you treat people how you want to be treated. So, you know, one day you never know what twists and turns life is going to give you. So if that was you, you would hope somebody could take the time and take care of you. Um, So on your website, you've got this uh, project that you support called One Billion Rising. Uh, What is that about? Yes, and right now that's actually going um, pretty well. That is a, a button you can click on to see where you could help out. And they've, they deal with all kinds of issues all around the world, uh, a lot of women's issues as well. And we're basically trying to keep, you know, everybody safe and giving them informative tools and, and news, um, the latest news with everything that's kind of going on, um, especially with women. 
but I'm working on getting more up there. I just want to make sure that I have um, reputable people, clean uh, clean sites, really good sites, and being able to provide uh, other tools for people. Okay, so it's some sort of referral service. So if a teen is looking for a place to stay and they can go to your site and find some information, is that what it is? What type of project is it? One Billion Rising is uh, not just uh, women's resources, um, but it is tools to help keep them safe. And it deals with not just our country, but uh, all over the world, women standing up for, for themselves and um, being able to, uh, like if they're being uh, abused or in uh, like trafficking and things like that, it's basically taking a stand against those kinds of things. Okay. Okay, so it's an opportunity for people to, you know, get involved with the different uh, plights of females and contribute to the cause? Yes, and that's uh, oh, okay. one of several things that, that will be placed up on my website for uh, tools to, to, for people to research and, you know, try to contribute to the world. Okay, okay, cool stuff. And so that is available on... Uh, your website, and they just they can click through to that one billion rising, correct? Yes, and I think it's I think everybody will love it. I think it's amazing. Okay, okay. So also you um you do some speaking and some advo- uh, advocating for the the youth today. Uh, where can we possibly find you around town? Or you got some stuff coming up? Um, right now, if you are looking to book me for a speaking engagement, you can contact Seraph Books, and it's spelled S E R. APH mm-hmm. and purchase Invisible Girl. You can go on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes and Noble, and iTunes, and you will find it there. And it's also an ebook. Um, and for a personally autographed hardback of uh, Invisible Girl, you can visit my website at www.cynthia-luce and it's spelled L-U-C-E dot com. And you can also look at the latest media and latest interviews. It's all updated, and it's a, it's a beautifully done website. So um, you can definitely find some more information there. Okay. Now, before we get out of here, I want to ask your your input or t- a tip or a pointer that you would give. Um, and I'm going to ask you three different types of people here. So if you have the young person who's going through some challenges in life, um, Maybe um, it being bullying or, you know, they, they don't have a roof over their head. And and it's it's really a struggle to keep their perspective in life. Uh, what tips or pointers would Cynthia have for that that individual? Never what would you say up. to that person? Never, ever give up. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a purpose with their life. If you've been through you know, the ringer, like most people have, don't quit. Never, ever quit. Light that fire, stoke it, and keep going. There is a purpose and a place for everyone. And if if you don't find it right away, you may find it later, but keep going. Life is beautiful, and it's as beautiful as we make it. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, when it's so dark and everything around you is just always so toxic, it's just really, it takes a, a special kind of determination and fortitude to say, you know, I'm going to rise above this. This is, this is not going to beat me. I'm going to beat that. And, um, 
you know, sometimes you can feel defeated. So that's that's very good tips and pointers that, you know, it's it's always something better over there. It might not seem like it right now, but there's always, always something better over there. Yeah, um, and, this shall pass is, is one of my favorite. This scenes. too shall pass. This too shall pass. Yes. Now, um, I want to know what you would say to the adult or the parent that is responsible for or exposing a child to a very toxic lifestyle. Um, what would you say to that person? Learn to love yourself and learn to love your child unconditionally. Try not to judge, but always ask questions. Never assume and, and build a trusting bond with your child. Uh, the bond between a mother and child or, fa- or a father and their child is, is, is phenomenal. <clears throat> but building that, that trusting structure for them is going to give them a safety net so they can come to you with issues. They, they need to be able to come to somebody. Let it be you. Mm-hmm. You know, and we got a few minutes here. That's, that's a very difficult dynamic for a parent to do because you want to build up an open, honest relationship with your child. But sometimes as a parent, you might not want to hear some of the stuff your child is coming to you with. So as an adult, you have to learn to be the bigger, better person and say, I'm going to be open. I'm going to bite my bottom lip, you know, when this child comes to me and says this to me. But um, you know, that's a lot of personal growth on you as a parent or, you know, a guardian, you know, to say, I'm going to, I, no matter what, I'm going to create this atmosphere of caring, empathy, open honesty with this child so that, you know, I can, I can be the best parent for this child. And that, that's sometimes that's a very tricky place to be. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of fathers out there, so to speak, who don't want to have, you know, the talk with, you know, their daughters, you know, or something. Like that. I mean, it's just a very it's it's a tightrope walk that we walk through sometimes as parents. Yes. And if we shut them down <clears throat> when they come to us with things that they feel are important, they're not they're not going to want to come back and talk to us. If, if we do that, so we need to keep an open mind and understand that our generation is different from their generation, not saying to, to not pass down our morals and values, but to understand that what we're, they're going through is different in a lot of senses than what we went through. So try to keep an open mind and, and keep open communication. Okay. Open communication and open mind. Now... The last thing I want to ask you is what would Cynthia say to the community collectively as a whole when it comes to um, how we're going to care for, raise, nurture the younger generation that we have today? Take off your blindfold and open your eyes. Take a look around and understand that everybody needs to work together to help one another, whether it be children, adults, or elderly, help. Don't dismiss and don't judge. Get in there, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it feels funny and strange and different and new. Sometimes the best things are outside of our comfort zone. True. True. So, um, you know, you might uh, feel a little awkward sticking your neck out there and, uh, you know, uh, going knocking on your next door neighbor's door and saying, you know, everything all right in here. Um, 
you might feel a little uncomfortable, you know, um, when you see a lost child, you know, and do you, do you have any, do you need anything? Can I assist you with anything? You know, that might take you out of your personal comfort zone because you know society has some potential consequences stepping in like that, but you have to push beyond that feeling and extend help and care and empathy to uh, your fellow human being because you don't know what situation you might be assisting, how you might be impacting another individual's life. And on the flip side of that, you don't know how your lack of help might impact that person's life. And that would be more detrimental possibly than any kind of little small slight ill feeling you might have from helping. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, your the consequences of you not helping are so much greater, so much greater. Yes, they are. And, and people... Don't forget, you know, who's helped you out as well. I I have, when I was a child, there was a girl that I went to school with, and she saw that we didn't have, you know, a whole lot. So her and her mother got together a bunch of stuff and came and and, and dropped it off. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling, you know, a little awkward about it, but I remember it to this day as an adult. And I understand that she was coming from a place of compassion and love, and she continued to be my friend, mm-hmm. selfless. And I never forgot that. Mm-mm-mm. So be that person, be that that giver who who doesn't judge, and and helps another human being, and and learn to to embrace that kind of uh, life. And I'm telling you that the giving aspect is is is. is it's beautiful. It's amazing. And do it selflessly, not selfishly, selflessly, not for gain for yourself. And, you know, it, and it's such a domino effect, you know, you know, once you start it and, you know, like you said, you remember the, the girl who did it for you when uh, you were younger and you never know that might've been part of the catalyst for, you know, the woman that Cynthia, you know, eventually became, you know, so you, you don't, you never know how your behavior sparks down the line, others to do the same thing for others. So, you know, always extend a helping hand, always care for others. You know, it is so much bigger than just you. This world is so much bigger than that. Yes. So, Cynthia, one more time, tell people how they can get a hold of a copy of your book. Um, You can purchase Invisible Girl on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. And for a personally autographed hardback, and they are so beautiful, let me tell you, um, (laughs) you can visit my website at www.cynthia-luce, and it's spelled L-U-C-E, dot com. And for speaking engagements, you can contact Seraph Books, and it's spelled S-E-R-A-P-H. All right, a good deal. Well, we are done for the day. The hour always goes so quickly, in spite of my little technical difficulties as well here. Um, I have had such a pleasure talking with you. I wish you nothing, nothing but the best and continue to go forth and uh, spread caring and empathy out there because uh, we all need it. Uh, once again, everybody, please visit her website, CynthiaLuce.com. That is Cynthia-L-U-C-E.com. Thank you once again for hanging out with me today. Cynthia, I enjoyed you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. See you next week. 